Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Paranormal Stakeout. I'm your host, Larry Lawson, as always coming to you from the mothership of paranormal programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Follow me in our quest to bring guests and topics that will challenge your views on the paranormal and the worlds beyond our own. Tonight's guest, very excited here on uh, Paranormal Stakeout, is no stranger to those who follow the latest trends and happenings in the paranormal world. We are happy Excited to have uh, Mr. Brian Kano join us tonight. Uh, since 2002, Brian has officially been a wanderer on a path of adventure and discovery, having been inspired at an early age with shows like In Search Of, as well as the movie Ghostbusters. Brian's paranormal journey found direction with the cable access to web show, Scared. Evolving from the skeptic to the scientist under the Scared banner, those early dalliances and urban exploration led him into exploring the many possibilities that existing and emerging technologies offered for paranormal investigation. It was this focus that resulted in his inclusion on the Zaffis family-centered television show, The Haunted Collector, which ran for three seasons. On the show, Brian was the tech specialist responsible for the implementation and use of all the gadgets and gear. Best known for his mixing old and new techniques of investigating, he often found himself doing the physical tasks, such as crawling under houses and up into the attics. He also served as the second in command of the team and helped to manage the deployment of the crew itself. Ultimately, his goal is, as an investigator is to measure, quantify, and get empirical evidence to support the claims of paranormal activity reported while maintaining his skeptical edge. Brian says, it's not the phenomenon I'm skeptical about, it's those who report it. Recently, Brian has been touring the world, appearing at paranormal events, as well as lecturing at colleges. His successful The Method event tour has helped attendees find focus and become better investigators. In his spare time, Brian co-created a paranormal card game called The Three Pillars, which simulates an investigation and includes many of the figures in the field on the cards themselves. 
His work has been praised in several publications, including Taps Pear Magazine, Haunted Times Magazine. In 2016, he served as the lead global investigator on the inaugural National Ghost Hunting Days, World's Largest Ghost Hunt, where he led an experiment entitled The Bridge to try and link the world in a web of active and collective consciousness. His latest focus has been on spreading philosophy, a term he coined as a mashup of paranormal and philosophy. He says, there's lots of people out there doing the work now. I'd like them to think more and do less. Really consider the whys before addressing the hows. Brian Kano, welcome to Paranormal Stakeout, my friend. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We're, we're doing terrific out here. Uh, Brian, I mean, obviously folks uh, know you from your time on Haunted Collector. That's where the world really became introduced to you. But tell me, how did you get into this field? What, what got you interested in the paranormal? You know, it's, it's, it's a strange thing because whenever people ask that question, like you ask that on uh, just any chat room on Facebook, or you go online and you look at the various origin stories, and there's a lot of new math going on. Uh, where people go, yeah, I, I watched Ghostbusters when I was a kid, so I've been investigating the paranormal since 1974. And yeah, no, I don't do that new math. I uh, I was always interested in it. Like I said, uh, when I was 10 years old, Ghostbusters came out, and it it really inspired me in a way that the movies that came before it. I mean, if you think of it this way, the movies that came out in the 70s and the early 80s that dealt with paranormal topics. You had The Omen, The Omen 2, Poltergeist, The Exorcist. They painted this as something to fear, as something you were helpless to fight, as pretty much it was a hopeless battle and you hopefully will get out uh, with yourself, if not your family and friends, like you're going to lose. Uh -huh. And then Ghostbusters comes along and it was a comedy and it had you know Saturday Night Live actors on it and it was humorous, but something that they put forward in the movie always stuck with me. We're ready to believe you. And these guys handled it with tech. So no matter what the situation, they found a scientific way to deal with it. And it was about uh, getting the empirical data and then using it to find a solution. And that, that really resonated with me. And it didn't manifest until I was out of college. Uh, back in 2002, uh, a bunch of friends and I decided to start a cable access show called Scared on Staten Island. And essentially it was like a very Blair Witch type show, shaky oh. cam and all, <laughs> where we would go into abandoned places uh, in our hometown and try to see if we couldn't address the urban myths that, that had sprouted up about those places. And again, this was 2002, so there was no ghost hunters, there was no ghost adventures. We had really nothing to model ourselves on so it was really just looking back to when we were kids and saying all right how are we going to do this and we we're kind of like the scooby gang we just rolled up and and tried to find out the mystery but uh no men in rubber masks uh, not yet anyway <laughs> how many investigations do you think you you it, were involved in in those early days uh in the early days you know back in those first few years I, I can't. I can't even front. I can't even say they were "quote unquote" investigations. I mean, not in an official capacity. They were more explorations, and they were. It was very much urban exploration. We would go in, explore, appreciate hey, the. We got to take our first break here. Hate to interrupt you, my friend, but we've got lots of questions to ask you, folks. This is Paranormal Stakeout. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute with Mr. Brian Kano. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs, 
songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Hey, folks, welcome back to Paranormal Stakeout with tonight's guest, Brian Kano. Uh, Brian, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the, the web access show, Scared. Did, did, was this a bunch of your college buddies and you guys just decided to do this show? How did, how did that come to be? You know, Scared, uh, and, and as, as it was first called, Scared on Staten Island, it was just, you know, my friends and I like to film home movies and, and, and comedy sketches and skits, and we just really stumbled upon this project we wanted to do and it was about exploring the urban myths uh, that that popped up around the abandoned places in our hometown of Staten Island, New York and we, we approached it very much like a, a Blair Witch, Scooby-Doo type thing where we would just go in ourselves, our five senses and some cameras and we figured, alright, let's see if we can't document any of these rumors that have, have popped up about these places because you're talking about abandoned buildings large institutions the longer they stand abandoned that's when the 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 stories start. There's and, ghosts. And of course, you you never uh, trespassed, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in those early days, it was it was kind of a thing, and uh, nowadays, uh, definitely not. But you know, in, in those early days, um, just you know, we, we 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 film, but that, but that, it's it's a good question because a lot of people now, uh, it's a different ball game, and we never broke and entered; we just entered. Uh, <laughs> But anytime security or police came along, we they're like, "All right, what are you doing here?" They would see us with camera gear and not spray paint, and they said, "Okay, you know, just be careful or move along." And if they said move along, we got out. Um, and 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 that's kind of as a as a cop myself, that's how we we've treated. I've treated past in the thirty seven years I've been doing this. We've run into kids usually with showing respect and as you said with camera gear we let it go but today folks you got to realize trespassing can be a serious issue so i want to get that public yeah. service message out there but well that's the thing like back then when we were doing it there was no ghost hunters there was no ghost adventures there was really nothing to emulate so we were just doing our thing whereas now kids get caught pretty much just trespassing and and when they face the music they go oh we're paranormal investigators thinking that that will get them off the hook. And then there's some silly article online from a local news outlet that says, oh, paranormal investigators get caught doing this. And it gives everyone a bad name. So, yeah, it's a, well, it's a different ball game these days. In, in all these, in these initial investigations, did you come across anything that really stuck out in your mind? Did you, did you come across any, even to this day, feel like was uh, true paranormal evidence? Hard to say because back then it was very much urban exploration. We uh, really appreciated the the buildings and the history and everything that that uh, came along with those abandoned buildings. But uh, again, back then I was a big I was a big scaredy cat. <laughs> um, I remember the very first one we shot. Um, we did challenges and we were we were kind of inspired by MTV's Fear and on that show. Um, the def different contestants had different challenges they had to do, like go here and sit by yourself 
in a room. And the people on TV were so cowardly. We said, you know, we can do this. <laughs> well, my first challenge was to go. We did this abandoned monastery. And my challenge was to go to. Well, first I had to find the basketball courts. And I had to investigate it for reports of satanic activity to see if there was any cult activity down there. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit because, again, I was raised Catholic. So that stuff uh, resonates with me. Sure. And here I am. I'm wandering through the woods with a camera and a big light. So if there is anyone out there doing something weird, they'll see me coming from a mile away, but I won't see them. So that got me a little paranoid. And when I finally found the basketball courts, there, there did seem to be you know, some stuff. Like there was some, some chalk drawing on the floor. There were some pits that were dug out that were clearly uh, used to burn things. Just a couple candles. And... On the floor was, was you know, uh, written uh, something, and I'm looking at it, and as I'm holding the camera, I'm just talking, I'm talking, I'm talking to make myself feel better. And, you know, also because this is a documentary, I'm trying to sound official. So I'm like, okay, I, 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 found, I found the basketball courts. I'm seeing a lot of things here. Okay, uh, um, all right, I see some writing on the floor. It says, okay, it starts with an Morique. Oh, is that Portuguese? Okay, I don't know what that is, but uh, and okay, I'm 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 legitimately afraid out here. All right, we get home, we get the uh, footage to the editing room, and my friend Chris, who was editing it, starts laughing. He goes, "Oh my God!" I said, "What is it?" He said, "I'm looking at this. You said Morique. It's Portuguese, dude. It says Monique. It's just some girl just wrote her name on the ground." But I was so frightened and so out of my mind that. Uh, something like that tripped me up. So we kind of joke about that to this day. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was also an important lesson for me uh, in, in that you don't jump to conclusions and pretty much whatever you think you'll find, you probably will because you'll find a way to make it happen. So I was so paranoid about that activity out there that you know everything I saw, even some girl's name tagged on the floor, it, it made it into my mind that it was some foreign language portion of a ritual. And I think we see that oftentimes in, in a lot of paranormal investigations, people wanting something so bad, it almost becomes, uh, that becomes a reality to them. Uh, they see things that may not be there because they want so bad, or maybe they're just scared. So how did, how did this event, this, this thing that you were doing scared, how did this morph into an appearance on Haunted Collector? How did that all happen? I always tell people that you cannot be in the paranormal seriously for any extended amount of time and not run into John Zaffis. Now, John, he's, he's a fixture in, in, in the paranormal. He's been doing it for over 40 years. He's the nephew of Ed Warren, so he's a legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, this, is, this is a tradition. Uh, he's, he's, he's even got family in Greece that they're doing demonology work. So this is really, you know, John Zaffis is a big name. And one of his, his nicknames is he's the godfather of the paranormal. And especially you're, you're from New York, you hear godfather. This is, this is someone you say, okay, this guy is commanding of respect and, and knowledge. Ooh, we, gotta, we really have to make a good impression on this guy. And we had met John at a convention out in Gettysburg. And when you first meet him, it's very... Mr. Zaffis, Mr. Zaffis, very nice to meet you. know, you're very formal because you don't want to, you know, you want to treat him with appropriate amount of respect. Sure. Ten minutes in, 
you're laughing and joking, and he's a regular guy. He's sweet. He's kind. He's friendly. Uh, he's just, you know, he's 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 an everyman. He just happens to have forty years of paranormal knowledge. And at, from that meeting, we ended up doing a documentary on his life called John Zaffis: The World Within, and it was the most blessed production I've ever worked on. Everything just went smoothly. It went our way. We had fun. It was we had great opportunities. We traveled to lots of different locations and we just showed all the different facets of his life and his work. And because of that, you know, we had such a great time working on that. When it came time for John to do Haunted Collector, the network said, Okay, well, John, we know this is uh about you and your family, but you really need to get a tech guy. You need someone who's good with the equipment. And it just so happened that I was I was available. I, I had worked in advertising for eleven years. My position was eliminated. I got downsized. So I was I had nothing to do. And he goes, Hey hippie, what are you doing? Come on, come on, let's do this. <laughs> hippie, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he calls me. And only John can get away with it. Yeah. Well I I'm a firm believer and I never used to be, but I I'm now a firm believer that there are no coincidences. Uh and I sounds like there was no coincidence here. It was meant to happen. You know, I, I used to rail, and actually I still do rail against that concept, but if anything would make me believe in it, it you know, the universe just cleared the way. Like Things that shouldn't have happened, that didn't happen, you could, I look back and I see a clear line of events and cause and effects that caused this to happen that would not have happened if those things that essentially were unrelated to me, the universe said, okay, clear path. Brian's going on Haunted Collector. It's going to happen. And mm-hmm. it just did. I mean, I got lucky. I, honestly, I got lucky. Well, I, and I know you guys are close. You, you've, you've kind of shared that with me um, in the past. But what was it like to work with John Zaffis? I mean, he is, his pedigree, his lineage, as you said, is, is impeccable in the paranormal field. But what's he like to work with, especially in a TV type show, documentary or TV show? Well, John is a treasure trove of knowledge. Uh, there's no doubt that the man is, is a walking encyclopedia of experiences and uh, definitely has a lot of knowledge uh, in those experiences. People assume that makes you a good teacher. No, <laughs> it does not. Uh, he's the type who, he, he's a good advisor. He will let you fall on your face. And then when you get up, he'll go, what'd you learn? And that's his method. He won't tell you, well, do this, then this, then this, and that's how it's done. No, no, he'll he'll let you fumble and fall, but then through that experience, he'll he'll uh, impart his wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the TV show, it's funny because I was the one with more experience uh, working on TV because having produced Scared, I knew how to. Uh, I knew what the producers needed. I knew what they wanted. Uh, I always had, I never had my back to the camera, made sure I was open so they can get the shots they wanted. Um, and prior to that, John's experience had just been with us working on, on our documentary. And because like I said, it was such a, an amazing experience. It was atypical of most productions. So, I mean, we made it look easy. Whereas your average TV show, it's, it's work and you have to do things a lot. Sometimes you have to take multiple takes, uh, when it comes to the interviews and John didn't understand, like. I already said this. Why do I have to keep saying this? I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm only saying it one more time. And I'm like, John, they, like, they need to get this. It's, it's just, it's just how, how it works. So it took John and Chris and Amy some time to get used to that. Um, 
as far as, as far as the TV end of it. The investigations, obviously, he's an old pro, so we just all fell into line. Do you find there was a huge difference, disconnect, however you would like to describe it, between conducting your, your old-style investigations as you did earlier in your career and doing it on television? For me, it wasn't so hard because, I, I mean, in the old days with my, my home team of Scared, we had to figure out what it was we were doing, what we were looking to find, processing all that stuff. With Haunted Collector, I mean, John's John's at the head, he's at the wheel, so we fall into line and it's, you know, we're in good hands. So mm -hmm. whenever we feel like, okay, we don't know what to do next, we have a leader to look up to. So that made it very easy. And in addition to that, on the TV, on the production end of it, he kept us protected from, um, you know, any showbiz hijinks. So we were really shielded from that. And, uh, and again, I can't speak for any of the other shows, but I know for us, you know, we didn't have to worry about that because John's not going to risk uh, a 40 year reputation for some TV show. So, so, and, and certainly there's been tons of rumors. Plenty of people talked about it on the internet. These TV shows are faked. You never experienced that on Haunted Collector. No, you know, I always tell people that first and foremost, the shows are entertainment. Bottom line. But that being said, you are seeing such a small portion of our time there. I would say it's like the cliff notes of an investigation. If we're filming for three or four days, you're seeing probably 22 minutes of that on TV. So there's plenty you're missing. You're missing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's times when we had evidence that was amazing, but because it didn't serve the story and it didn't lead anywhere, it was left on the cutting room floor. So, well, uh, we, we are going to have to take our next break here in just a few seconds, but I want to come back to the subject because it's something that fascinates a lot of folks. So, uh, folks, stay with us. Uh, we're coming back with Brian Kano. We've got a lot, of, a lot of interesting questions to ask, some things that you're going to want to know. So stay with us, and we'll see you on the other side of this commercial break. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Well, folks, we're back from our break with Brian Kano here on Paranormal Stakeout. Brian, we're on a really, uh, I think, an important topic here when we had to go to break, and I want to revisit it. There's been, uh, as we talked about before, a lot of stuff on the Internet, some stuff in the entertainment industry about these shows being fake. And I think you brought up a good point. The shows are just showing a snippet of what you may have been doing for uh, three or four days. Absolutely. I mean, like I say, I tell people that this is the Cliff Notes version of what you're seeing. And, and I mean, back in the day, John and I used to make the mistake of going online to see what people thought of the episode right after. Because, again, you know, we care. So we kind of opened ourselves up to the criticism. And I, I, I used to love seeing the comments like, you didn't do your baseline sweep correctly or, oh, this didn't happen or, you know. They're being armchair critics just looking afar. It's like, well, first of all, you weren't there. We were there for four days. You didn't see me eat or go to the bathroom, but I guarantee that happened. And it's just after a while, you, you, you stop sparring with those people because it's, it's absurd. But fake news, it's all fake news. Everything yeah. is 
you know, uh, the internet, you can't look at the internet for anything that's of import when it comes to uh, commenting on what sure. essentially is entertainment. And, and the shows are entertainment. I think a lot of folks uh, get lost to that point. And let's face it, at least in my opinion, the paranormal TV shows, while may not be the place where you learn the, your techniques and become uh, a seasoned investigator, but it certainly has brought the topic forward so that people have made it more mainstream. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, as, as researchers, sometimes we have a tendency to look down at the shows because they're like, oh, it's not serious, but they're not documentaries and never claim to be. Uh, you can be inspired by entertainment left and right. I mean, again, I was inspired by Ghostbusters, a comedy. Uh, a close friend of mine, she, uh, she's you know, in archaeology. She was inspired as a young girl by Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is not a documentary, but yet it put her on a path that took her through education to what she does today. So I really feel like, yes, the shows are good to introduce people to the topic and introduce people to the possibilities and maybe things that to you and I are, are commonplace and normal. Like, yeah, we, we could talk about EVPs and ITC all day, but to sure. the average viewer, maybe they don't know about it and they're hearing it for the first time and this is their introduction to that. Yeah. I mean, in, in an earlier discussion, you mentioned the famous, uh, uh, the collar getting pulled on Grant. And I, and I must admit, I've met Grant and Jason. I found them to be two very genuine individuals that I, I actually liked quite uh, quite a bit. Um, but have, are you aware of any shenanigans or things that specifically have been done on shows? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Again, but, I can't speak to shows that I wasn't on. And um, even if I, I did, again, I'm, I'm not on those shows, so I, I, it's, sure. it's not for me to say. Uh, does it happen? I'm sure it probably does. But at the same time, those shows don't last. Well said. Well said. And I, I know you, and I and I take you exactly at your word. Nothing happened on that show. And, and actually, I enjoyed A Haunted Collector. I was sorry it lasted only three seasons. I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> well, you know, even to this day, I'll, you know, because it's, it's in heavy reruns on Destination America, and you still get the people who go online and they're like, oh, this is, this is a load of bull. It's just he says something's haunted and you guys get free stuff. And I say, do you notice the crap we haul away? No, seriously, we must be the most inept Ocean's Eleven crew in <laughs> existence because we get John and, and the whole team, that's six people on the investigating team. We go and we get a network to have a whole crew of producers and cameramen and audio people so that we could travel across the country to get your mom's $10 brooch and say that it's haunted. And then what do we do? What do we split it? Like, all right, John, you get it one week. I'll get it the next week. And then Beth could get it the third. Like, really, think about what you say before you post something stupid. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, people have a tendency to do that all the time. What is your favorite location on the TV show? What was your, your favorite spot? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, we were a show that filmed during the winter months. So you would find us in places like Michigan and uh, it would be like we'd go to Detroit. We would, were up in Montana. We were in New England, freezing our butts off. So normally when I get asked this question, I think about when we went to Hawaii <laughs> or Puerto uh. Rico, warm places where we weren't freezing. And it was, it was just a different thing. And actually, I, I will say Hawaii, in addition to the tropical and the beauty and, and the wonderfulness of it all during the winter, also because the culture is different, even though it's part of the United States. It's 
one where the dead are it's not an abnormal thing it's not paranormal like ooh there's something wrong ancestors and those who have passed are still part of their everyday culture they they are very in touch with that side so it's not something they've ever lost whereas i feel um mainland and new england and just uh, continental united states in general we're kind of rediscovering that yeah well I, i'll tell you one interesting thing my little um my little hamlet down here in florida felsmere uh, uh Generally, a Hispanic population, they're the same way, very spiritual. Uh, they, they embrace the dead. Well, on Halloween, Day of the Dead, right? And they embrace those types of, uh, those periods of time. So I, I kind of can understand what you're saying with that. I, I experience it in our own little town down here. Yeah, I mean, when we went to Puerto Rico, uh, one of the cases we, we, we did, there was uh, some overlapping of Santeria involved. And again, yeah. it's everything out there. Uh, not only is it is it religious, it's there's a lot of superstition, there's a lot of fear mixed in with the belief, but it's uh, not fear of, you know, like you see on the TV shows, everything's a demon. With them, they're just, the fear comes out of respect. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Any particular event on the show, any, any um, paranormal experience you had on the show that s- strikes home with you? I feel that maybe not the experience per se, but the aftermath of it. Um, because we were on the road filming case after case after case, there was one one run we did where we were really getting bogged down. And after we left each case, I feel like we left with some baggage until it came to something, to, to a point where we, I think we were just overloaded. And instead of hanging out with each other on travel days or afterwards, we all started just going to our own rooms and just being by ourselves. And we're a little grumpy, a little snippy with each other. And it really come to a head. Uh, we did a case in a nearby Westchester, Virginia, in a place called Spirit Springs. And the object in question was this Native American fetish doll. Now, we had taken it away. John had called in a local shaman to take care of it. With most of the objects that that we... Uh, took care of. Uh, there were there were other outlying reasons for the activity surrounding the object. Either it was the object itself, maybe the object was a trigger. Not this. This was a fetish doll. This was made specifically to cause harm to the intended recipient. Now, again, this wasn't a random occurrence. Somebody made this doll. So yeah, we'll take the doll away. But the person who made it, uh, an actual living, breathing person, is still out there. And that's human evil that we can't solve. We can't solve that. We can't affect that. But at the end of the case, because we had called in the Native American shaman to remove the object, uh, this was one that, that he removed, not John, he did a closing ceremony, uh, with, complete with the pipe, some chanting, uh, Native American tradition. And this was at sunset. And it was beautiful. There was oranges and, and purples and, and pinks in the clouds. The air was still. It was, it was warm. It was a beautiful night. And that closing ceremony, we all felt all the stress from all those cases just literally melt away. It ebbed away and a weight was lifted. So that's not something you saw on TV, but it was so profound. And after that, I remember Chris Zappas and I said, hey, Let's just let's go explore these woods. It was almost like we were kids again, and it was Stand by Me. We're just like, hey, let's go exploring. 
because we were our souls were so light again that we could we could enjoy in something simple like hey let's go exploring yeah and and you're right people don't see that on the show they they yeah. just they, they want to get excited they want to get scared they don't see something as profound as this that's that's really an interesting story and it kind of I want to kind of get away from that now because you've evolved yourself. Uh, seeing you, you were down here with us in January. You were um, uh, doing some very, very interesting work with some of our guests in our January event here in Felsmere. And I want to talk more about that. I want to talk about the current Brian, if you will. And let's start it off by, can you explain your theory of parallosophy? I, I find that fascinating. Yes, parallosophy uh, pretty much is just a mashup of two words. Paranormal and philosophy, and I playfully hashtag it just to bring it into the into the today lingo. And you know, I feel that because of the TV shows, again, we say it was good that they introduce the topic to many people who otherwise would not have access to it or exposure to it. The downside is that you have a lot of people who emulate what they see on TV, and even if they have the best of intentions, sometimes they can end up doing more harm than good mm -hmm. uh, i mean ever since ghost hunters came out and ghost adventures you know go on the internet or throw a rock throw a rock and you will hit at least three other paranormal groups in your area and they could be all very you know well-meaning they say they want to help people but what makes them qualified to do so uh, hey would you buy a black t-shirt and you watch ghost adventures uh, hey and then they're going into people's <laughs> homes no that's not enough so for me the Paralosophy movement is about slowing things down, like, okay, pump the brakes. We're not going to solve the paranormal overnight. It's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. The mystery is there. We're, we're going to whittle at it. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And the credo is I want people to think more and do less. And essentially, I just stole that from Carpentry, uh, which is the measure twice, cut once. Right, right. So I want people to really consider the whys of what they do before addressing the hows. You know, because again, people get excited and they go, oh, there's a family and they're having activity and kids are involved. Let's get in there. Oh, why? Why? Why are you going in there? You don't know what you're getting into. Like there's a lot that needs to be done. There's interviews to conduct. There's research to be done. The land, yeah. the house, the people, there's work. And that's what scares me so much. A lot of times people go into homes and they say, we're here to help you. Well, what can you really do to help these folks? They're in a state of stress. You're telling them you're going to do something, and then if you don't or you say you did and it doesn't solve the issue, you're going to create an even worse problem. Yeah. I mean these are people under strain, and whenever you, you handle people under strain, their reactions are going to be commensurate to the strain they're under for good or, or for ill. Mm -hmm. And to be a paranormal investigator, it's very much like being a caseworker. Or a psychologist, you are handling emotions. You're handling state of state of mind, and it's not just about you know getting your thrill, you know, running around in the dark with meters. Like, hey, you could do that on your own time, in like a place like uh, Waverly Hills or Rolling Hills. That's not someone's home. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's one of my uh, my biggest concerns right now too. And and um, we're going to give you. In just a, a few seconds here, we're going to be going to our last break. But when we get back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what I think is the, going to help there, and that's training. Training of folks as well as uh, something interesting, the method that I'd sure like to talk about in a couple of seconds. 
So uh, with that, we're going to take our last break now, uh, Brian, and we're going to be back in a few minutes or a few seconds here with uh, our last round, some interesting questions. So um, see us on the see us on the other side, folks. Stay with us. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. 
Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, folks, to our final segment tonight with uh, tonight's guest, Brian Kano. It's been a great show. Uh, you can visit Brian on his website, www.neverstopsearching.com, to follow all of his events and his adventures. Uh, don't forget to check out all of the outstanding programs on the X-Zone Nation. Go to www.xzbn.net for the complete broadcast schedule and the new podcast schedules, too. And don't forget to visit me at www.paranormalstakeout.com and www.paranormalfbi.com. You can also check out my team's Facebook at Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation. Check out our, uh, our Facebook page, like us, and comment on the show. I'd love to hear uh, what you folks are, are thinking about the uh, guests that we have and how the shows are going. Uh, Brian, in these last few minutes, and man, it's, this time goes so quick. I want to. I want to get your. I want to hear about the method. I mean, I want. I want to talk a few minutes about training. But tell me about the method, the uh, program that you're. You you put out in your uh, in your events. For the past few years, uh, ever since I, I came off the show, my focus has been on education, and my method events are events designed to make the attendees better and more thoughtful investigators. Now, while I can't. Uh, I can't promise that activity will happen. I want to engender those who search with the right questions and the right processes to handle it. So as long as you're doing things the right way, they can leave with questions and uh, they can ponder uh, activity that did happen or they could just really take an inward look at why they're doing what they're doing and through reflection, become better at it. And that's what it was geared to do. I Like, I always did events of this type, but ever since uh, I went to a place called the Seven Sisters Inn in Ocala, Florida, uh, the proprietor said, you know, you really need to put your stamp on this. We're going to think of a name. You should call it the Cano Method. And I said, wow, that sounds like birth control. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not down with that. But the method kind of stuck, and uh, that's what I've been calling it ever since. Well, good old Marie, I, I can imagine yes. her coming up with that. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Um, training is a, an absolute um, focus point for me, and I, and I think we're on the same wavelength here. Folks learning how to do this right, 
not only technically but emotionally and intellectually is so important in my view to the future of the field uh, and and where do you see this the, the picture of training going I mean we've got folks running out there right now that don't even know how to use equipment in fact I was talking to a friend of both of ours who is a tech guy um, Sean Porter mm-hmm. and I asked him one time I said you know Sean of all the people that buy equipment from you at GoStop, how many really know how to use it? And he said, almost none. <laughs> so that that puts in perspective where I'm coming from with training. Uh, your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I would show up to public investigations and you see some cats show up with cases and cases full of equipment and they take all this stuff out. And I said, oh, wow, some of this gear is pretty impressive. I haven't seen this yet. How does it work? Oh, I don't know. I just bought it. Okay. Oh, that's great. But, you know, I always tell people you need to learn your equipment inside and out. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a millimeter, know how to take it apart and put it back together. If you have to do a field repair on it, you need to know how it works, why it works, what it's supposed to do. So that's, you know, it really is just an extension of yourself. I mean, these sure. are not toys. Uh, well, and just also like, know the theory about it, too, the theory of why it works. Yes. Uh, I mean, see, and that's the thing. The equipment works because it's it's trying to measure something that's uh, already been proven and exists. We're just trying to apply that to uh, spirits and how they interact with it, with such equipment. We're trying to get that empirical data to back up our as-of-yet-to-be-named uh, theories. And I feel that people, again, monkey see, monkey do. They see it on a TV show, just assume that by buying it, that gives them the experience to use it, and that's just not so. So with training, um, we have to give people that foundation that they'll need to move forward. And for me, you know, I, I can't say I'm an expert, but I'm experienced. And in the past 15 years, I've made so many mistakes, and I've done things that uh, weren't important. And if I can help other people, especially new investigators, skip over those two, three, four, five steps that aren't important <laughs> yep. and get further down the road quicker, that benefits us all. Well, and I, and I don't mind mentioning here on uh, Paranormal Stakeout that you and I are going to be collaborating on some training here in the not-too-distant future, so wa- watch for that, folks, because it's, it's our goal to help not only new investigators but seasoned investigators get better at what they do and understand the philosophies. Um, What's your favorite piece of equipment, Brian, right now? You had to pick one thing. I think right now it's very simple. It's my uh, digital audio recorder. I mean, right now I'm, I'm very heavy into EVPs. And while I, I'm still the tech guy and I love gadgets and gear, lately it's just more flashing lights. There hasn't really any, been anything groundbreaking. It's just been uh, variations on a theme. But mm-hmm. EVPs still continue to fascinate me. And it's amazing. I talk to seasoned investigators and that's by far the favorite piece of equipment, the digital audio recorder. Now, I'm going to kind of take a side road here since you brought up EVPs because you did something incredibly fascinating when you were down at our event in Felsmere, Florida in January. And it was a projection experiment, and it's a philosophy that I'm really finding uh, fascinating. Uh, can you explain to my listeners exactly what you were doing and what the theory was behind it? Yes, I call it the psychic projection experiments. Uh we take EVPs for granted. Uh, we assume that we're speaking to spirits uh, when we get an EVP. And if you, if you think about it, when you ask a question, subconsciously, you kind of 
know the answer or are thinking of a range of answers. So when you go, how many are here with us? What year do you think it is? How old were you when you died or how old are you now? Subconsciously, you're thinking of numbers. So when you listen back, you're going to be straining to listen for those numbers. So that pop you hear, if you asked a yes or no question, that you'd hear that You'd be like, oh, they said yes. If it was a number question, you'd be like, oh, did you, it said one. It said two. It's my posit that a portion of, of, of these communications we get that we label EVPs could be coming from our own minds. We could be projecting those answers onto that recording equipment. And to try to, to, to test that, I do what's called the psychic projection experiment. I gather the people together. I say, okay, guys, we're going to be recording for 60 seconds. No one is going to say anything. We won't tag anything. But let's choose a word. Okay, somebody pick a word. First time this ever worked for me was at the Seven Sisters Inn. I said, all right, guys, pick a word. Gentleman says, bird. Bird's the word. <laughs> Everybody laughed. And I said, that's perfect. It's a visceral reaction. So it's, it'll be a stronger, a stronger projection. Okay, guys, let's do it. 60 seconds, do nothing but think of the word bird. Spell it out. Envision the letters coming from your brain and hitting the device. We recorded for 60 seconds. I played back. You hear the recording go, okay, 60 seconds starts now. Bird. And I didn't even have to, have to point it out. Everyone in the room jumped when we heard bird. It was a whisper, but it was there. And very low underneath it, we heard almost being chanted the rest of the time. And now there's some people who would say, oh, well, that's, that could just be the ghost reading your thoughts and then speaking it. And uh, that, while that might be possible, in science there's something called Occam's razor, which says between two theories, usually the one, the simplest option is probably the, the correct one. So, all right, why, why try to insert a third party into this? If, if we are really projecting our thoughts... That's how spirits are probably doing. They're probably psychically imprinting their voices onto it because they don't have a physical body to make mm -hmm. those vibrations. So it's very impossible that we are doing it ourselves. Now, that's not to say that all EVPs are us. I'm just saying that probably a portion of them could be us. So taking that theory a step forward, could you see it um, affecting things like um, people seeing shadow, shadow people? or seeing other events? Could it, could it be something visual? Or do you think it strictly uh, stays with the, the audio portion of our investigations? Well, that particular experiment uh, really, really is, is designed for the audio portion of it. But sound uh, being a function of, of our hearing, all of our senses are subject. I mean, the eyes. Uh, your eyes, uh, you, you can't trust them 100%. Uh, every, what is it, every second or so we go blind for like a millisecond. It's called persistence of vision. Uh, we're not actually seeing a 100% live feed. It's cycling, almost like a TV has to refresh. And the brain is just patch, patching together those frames to give you a consistent view. But technically you are going blind like every millisecond. Uh, that being said, how can you trust your eyes? If you focus on a black box on a screen and then look onto a white wall, you will see an afterimage of that black box. It's called mm -hmm. negative afterimage. There are mm -hmm. so many things that can trick the eyes, that can trick the ears, that can trick all your senses. We have to understand that we can't trust them 100%. Uh, 
uh, or that it can't be the sole yeah. piece of evidence that you put forward. I, I can't, and you probably experienced this too, but I can't count the number of times I'm in a dark hallway with no light and someone goes, look at the end of the hall, it's a shadow figure. I'm like, how can you tell it's dark? Oh, but this is darker than the dark. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, and I, and I think this, this goes with our theory to our desire for more enhanced training so that people can discern reality from what their mind might be doing. And I think training and the improvement of equipment is going to go light years in helping this. And unfortunately, my dear friend, we've come to the end of the show. And I've got so many more questions to ask. Can I ask you to come back again sometime? I'd be happy to. Okay, because i got a lot more things to ask. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Brian Kano, www. Uh, give your, what's your website again? www.neverstopsearching.com Neverstopsearching.com Thanks, Brian. I'll be seeing you soon. Thanks, folks. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs>